Support for the podcast is brought to you by the Music Academy of Acadiana. Acadiana's top choice for music lessons in piano, guitar, voice, drums, violin, saxophone, flute, audio production, and more. They teach students of all ages and styles. They have sent students to college to compete in major music competitions and have also premiered on major TV music contests like American Idol and The Voice. They are founded by Tim Benson, who is a University of Louisiana at Lafayette Music School graduate. The Academy has been voted as a top finalist in the best music school by readers of the Times of Acadiana since 2016, and they have won the National Music School of the Year Award in 2014. Their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers. You can find out more at their website at www.musicacademyacadiana.com. You can also check out their Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more information. Our tech sponsor, The Orchard, is Acadiana's only Apple-authorized service provider. They provide services for Apple products, whether it be a broken screen or if you need help trying to figure out an app, The Orchard has your back. They helped us by giving us an iPad to continue running our show since our show is dependent on Apple products. So with that, check out their stores. They got two locations in Acadiana, one next to Buffalo Wild Wings off of Ambassador in Lafayette, and at their new location in Karen Crow next to Super One Foods. You can check them out at theorchardstores.com or in person to make sure that all of your Apple products are taken care of and up and running and working as they should. This is the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette. I'm your host, Ben Powers. On this podcast, you'll hear from business owners, entrepreneurs, and community influencers who all play a role in moving Lafayette Parish and South Louisiana forward. So we have a great episode for you today. Uh, We have great episodes every single time. There's not one episode that I don't like. Um, I have had some episodes get awkward, but that is what it is. So today we have Nathaniel Moore, who's a local entrepreneur uh, and just a, a, a wonderful guy. We're going to talk about that and some different things moving and shaking with him and his companies. Nathaniel, thank you for coming out of retirement, as you, you were saying before the podcast, <laughs> uh, to do this podcast. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I mean, I haven't done a, uh, an interview all this year. I, I kind of took the whole year off to kind of just focus on me and focus on things that I have going on in business. And we've been super busy. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like, I got to focus on something and it's just, I have a lot of responsibility now. I have a lot of staff, a lot of team members. And so I figure, Hey, look, I got to invest in me, become a better leader where we're going as a company. And so that's some of the things I've been doing. All right. Yeah, man. You, uh, yeah, you've definitely been, uh, moving around in ways that Nathaniel Moore hasn't moved around in uh, quite in a while. So it's like you normally you're out like vocal and you, you have, all these different things that you're doing, but you've been a little bit more low key over mm-hmm. the past year. Uh, and obviously that is because, you know, you have so much more going on with your businesses. You, you're, you're trying to focus on that. So tell us a little bit about kind of what you do. If people aren't familiar with who you are, 
uh, what you do, what businesses uh, you own, and kind of where that's going and why you're in those particular businesses? I think that's a great question because uh, I am so intentional on people being super confused about what I do. <laughs> I <can't>. So <laughs> I want to clarify it real quick. You know, early on in business, so when I got started, I, I really liked, I defined myself as a fixer. Like I love fixing things. I, even as a kid, I remember thinking, man, I just want to be a, I want to be a contractor. You know? I just want to fix stuff. And that evolved into flipping houses, then it evolved into buying businesses, and then it evolved into fixing people. And so what I call myself now is we just in business acquisitions, we turn around struggling companies. So we go and acquire these companies that uh, owners are looking to retire, uh, specifically in the medical field, healthcare industry, or in the childcare industry. And so we go in, we're looking for them that, you know, 20, 30 year old companies, companies that, you know, their methods are kind of outdated uh, to the current marketplace, and we go in there and turn them around. And so... Uh, we hold them and and look. I think at the end of the day, we just want to offer opportunity. I mean, that's really what it is, you know. Yeah. Offer opportunity to different people that otherwise wouldn't have that opportunity. So uh, that's really at our core a reason why we grow so fast right now. So so you have the childcare business, mm-hmm. and then you also have another business, right? You have how many businesses do you have total? Like just how total? Is roughly about fifteen businesses. Fifteen businesses. Yeah. God. Okay. Okay. <laughs> But, so the but main... they're, they're all in the same tree, you know, it's like, and how I define that, it's like I have a solid tree and I have branches on that tree. And so we're basically in the service industry. So we provide services to uh, young adults all the way up to elderly and disabled. And so that's, we're just in the service industry. Okay. Okay. So which one of your businesses is the bread and butter? Do you have a bread and butter business or do you have a business that supports, uh, you said it's a tree, so you have one that supports the others, right? Or how they does all that support work? themselves. They okay. all are profitable. Uh, how I would like to say it is that which one requires most of our attention? Yeah. And of course, the one that requires most of our attention is Little Blessings. You know, it's one of those things where I started uh, early on, about 13 years ago. You know, I actually worked the business. I was actually a teacher, a cook, you know, <laughs> <laughs> infant teacher. You know, I was, I was the teacher. Like, I clocked in and out, you know, so... Of course, a lot of our things, a lot of the things that we do today was developed from that time frame. And so I poured a lot of heart and soul into it. A lot of it has been just all me, authentically me adding into that business. And so uh, we've attracted a big team to, to help me facilitate that and all the locations that has multiplied from that, those efforts. So, uh, yeah. So I would like to qualify it or quantify this, you know, it's time, which yeah. one requires most time because all, all of them are profitable. Uh, but the time that is spent is most invested in little blessings. Okay, so so what was Nathaniel doing before? Uh, and I've heard your story. Trust me, I'm only asking you this so that the people watching or, or listening can uh, to know a little bit more about you because this may be the first time they've ever heard your name. Yeah. Um, who was Nathaniel Moore, and what was Nathaniel Moore doing before you got into as early on as the 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 flipping houses like? How first of all, like how old are you? Like we're like, like go go back to your younger self and tell us a little bit about who you were and like how you got to kind of where you are now. Dude, that's a great question. I hope it's a good question. I'm trying. I'm flying off the cuff here. Okay, so I'm 36 now, but I'll I'll go backwards. Okay. You know, so how far back are we going? We're gonna go back to drop out of college. All right, great start. Because I mean, I really hit the ground running really fast. So I made a decision to drop out of college. And one of those decisions was, one of the factors was I would hang out on Rex Street all the time. I loved you. I mean, I did well. I was going to school for law. And I started interviewing people. I was like, I love this too much. 
So I start talking to different people. Next thing you know, they're like, oh, yeah, I changed my major three or four times. Uh, you know, it's a four-year degree, but I've been here for six years. You know, like all that stuff. I'm thinking, man, you guys, I love you all and I hang out with you all, but I will be just like you. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I was like, I, I think I'm going to take my chances. So I got a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Okay. I read that book yeah, in one day. I mean, when I finished that book, I was like, I, I, I got to do something else. Like, if I can, if I can devote four years and pr- this strategy that I just read, I'd rather take my chances doing that. And that's what I did. I actually left college, dropped out of college, and I got into car sales. Okay. And interesting enough, you know, I, I go visit a friend at this auto dealership, and the, the dealer is there. The owner is there. He's looking at me. I'm all dressed up in a suit because I was work. I was selling suits at dealers at the time as a college <laughs> job. <laughs> so I'm slicing up suits, you know. And so. Uh, and so he looks at me and he says, hey, who are you? And I'm like, Nate? Nate who? Nate Moore? How old are you? Uh, 18? <laughs> he's like, what do you do? I was like, I sell suits. You any good? I mean, literally, he's hollering from the balcony and I'm on the, I'm on the sales floor and he's hollering at me in front of the, everybody on, you know, on the sales floor. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm a part-time suit sales guy. I sell more than the full-time guys. I think, I think I'm pretty good at sales. He's like, you want a job? Yeah. He's like, all right, you're hired. That's how I got hired in the car business. Okay. After reading that book, I got hired in the car business. Are you able to disclose which car business it was? It was Hampton Toyota. Oh, Hampton Toyota. So Mark okay. Hampton, you know, he's already six seven. You know, he's like towering, just like <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. You know, so I attracted. I feel like I attracted an opportunity. I read the book and I said, "Look, I, here's some things that I need to learn. I need to learn how to sell. I need to learn how to do mini product demonstrations. I need to learn how to communicate properly. I need to, you know, there's all these things that I needed to learn, and I felt school wasn't going to teach me, and so." Because it was a real estate book, I needed to learn those different things, those different skills in order to negotiate practically in real estate. And so I was like, what's the best way that I can learn that? Sure enough, the car business. So I get in the car business. I mean, I sucked. I mean, I was the absolute worst. The first two months, I'm telling you, they, they, they threatened for me to walk out several times. Like, you walk another customer out of here, man, you can go with them type of deal. So why were the customers walking out? Because I was terrible. Like, what would you say? I mean, like, what, this, what did I not say? You don't want this car. It's got high gas mileage. <laughs> like, <laughs> my confidence was terrible. You know, I was like, I was shy at the time. I really was. I didn't have any, I didn't really know. I was never really introduced in the marketplace. So mm-hmm. that was kind of like a real, a real big boy job, so to say. You know, I mean, I was, before that, I was, my first job, I was a dishwasher, you know? And so at that time, I'm thinking, there's something I, I need to, you know, I need to figure it out, you know. Yeah. So I started listening to podcasts. It was Zig Ziglar, and there man, I would listen to that stuff around the clock. I mean, I get in my car, I pop the CD in. I get home, I pop the CD. I'll just listen and listen. Wait, and listen. Was, wait, the CDs? Oh, okay. it was CDs. Okay, buddy. it Got was it. CDs at the time, you know. <laughs> so, so I'm listening to these CDs and I'm learning the lingo and how people are talking. I'm really observing that kind of stuff. So I start picking that stuff up. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna start trying some of these techniques. And third month there, I was a salesman of the month. There's 25 people on the sales floor. I'm 18 years old, and I sold I sold everybody. So I'm thinking, wow. So then, you know, throughout that process, I realized there was something unique about me. Because I was going through that and because of the hardship, because of uh, listening to the podcast, there was something that stuck out. And it was how I communicated to people. It was like, hmm. The way I communicated to people, I can tell, like, I created relationships with them. Like, they were really open. It, it was it was more than just a transaction. It was a relationship type of, 
demonstration. It was more relational. People like there's people I still contact or talk to right now to still check on me from the car business. Like that's so I really so once I realized that I was thinking, well, and at the time I was flipping houses, you know, so I was flipping houses and I was leaving for lunch to go check on these houses. I mean, it was just crazy. 12 hour work days. Nobody was going to beat me there. Nobody. I was the last one. There. I mean, first one there, last one to leave. Like I was like, if I'm going to make this commitment, I'm going to go against what my family wanted me to do. I'm on my own. I'm going to buckle down, grit up and get it done. And that's what I did. And so I realized communication was my thing. It wasn't uh, the, the real estate. It was the communication thing. And so I was thinking, okay, if I can communicate with people effectively like this, then I would like to get into turning businesses around. You know, now I can help grow leaders. Now I can help uh, inspire other people. And that's where that came from. Was, uh, and, I, and I continue reading books. You know, I was reading books. I was listening to podcasts. But prior to me, I bought my first business at 22. But prior to that, I was selling cars and I was reading and I was flipping houses. That's what I was doing. Hustling. And so that was your early 20s. So you 22, you bought your first business. Yes. What business was it? It was called Munchkinland. Munchkin Land. So that was a daycare. It was a daycare. So you guys started in daycare early, really early. And I'll tell you, like I didn't. I mean, you're just coming out of daycare buying a yeah, daycare. I mean, business. I'm still just out of diapers. You know, I mean, <laughs> like people ask me all the time, like, why daycare? And I was, it was like, I didn't wake up one day and said, man, I just want to be the best daycare owner in the world. Like, it, it never dawned upon me that I would be in a daycare business. Yeah. What had, what it was was that when I contacted my broker, a business broker. I just told him, I said, look, I feel like I can fix things. And if I can get in there and communicate and, and, you know, apply some of the techniques that I've learned in leadership, I think I can turn around any industry. That was the confidence that I had at the time. Like, remember, I'm going from shy to like, now I'm super confident saying, look, just send me something that's struggling. And so the first business that he sent me was a daycare business. And I was like, hmm, I'm going to go check it out. So I remember going, look, I, I, I parked in front of the daycare in the evening and I was watching people coming in and out. And I was so intrigued by, man, people just come in and out of there, drop their kids off, pick their kids up. Like, I was like, this is really cool. So I called the brother and said, hey, I want to go take a look at it. Let me, let me go take a look. So I go do a walkthrough and I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. The little snotty nosed kids come running up to you, you know, <laughs> hugging you. They don't know who you are. They just, all this love, you know, they just being super transparent. Yeah. Just, it's just genuine love. There's no agenda. It's just, and I was like thinking, man, this is really cool. However, the daycare looked terrible. You know, they're feeding the kids pizza. I mean, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was like, surely, because I've never been in daycare. So this was my first experience. I'm like, man, what is this? What's going on in here? You know? So I knew there's a need, you know? So, I, and I told the broker, I said, look, I, I like to take a run at it. They had it listed for 150000 and they're buying it for 15000 Wait, 15000 15000 50? 15. 15. I was like, I couldn't, there's no way it could be that low. Okay. See, we can go into all kinds of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like it's 15,000. So you bought a daycare for 15,000? Had 35 kids and uh, it was just not doing well. A lot of deficiencies with the state, you know. Okay. So a lot of debt, you know, it was all kind of crazy stuff. You know, it was the stuff that everybody runs away from. And that's the stuff I like to, I run towards. So it's like IRS debt, you know, the, the it's just terrible daycare. There's no there's no processes and procedures in place. Family members work there. It's like people look at that business and say, nah, man, wrong area. doesn't look good. You know, IRS debt. I, I don't want to deal with that. And so those people ran from that stuff and I ran to it. And it, so it gave me an opportunity where I'm the only buyer. Yeah. So now I'm buying it for pennies on the dollar 
with a whole lot of upside. So how did you take that struggling business? I, I was trying to find another word, another descriptor for it, but obviously struggling is the easiest one. Um, how did you take it from that with all the debt and the, especially the IRS debt, like all the, the bad things? How did you at a young age decide to like, how did you get it up? How did you bring it? Yeah. None of that better... transferred to me. That was her debt, not mine. Oh, got it. All you right. See what I'm saying? So, so then if that's, if that's how it works and how come another buyer didn't really think about that? Know. Okay. They heard IRS and ran. Okay. I heard IRS and said, that's not my debt. Why would they come after me? They're going to come after her. And they're not coming for this raunchy little furniture. They're going to find something <laughs> else to go after. And it ain't going to be this furniture. So I took my chances. So so fifteen thousand, you got into a daycare. Uh huh. So how many like on the books? How many reoccurring kids, uh, reoccurring income? Like what was the revenue like at fifteen thousand dollars purchase? Uh, I think it was like, I think they were doing twelve thousand dollars a month in revenue. Okay. So you 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 all, like it was you business. bought a business that was actually making some revenue. Now it yeah. might have not been the best, but it was making it was making it was like break even, you know. And so I remember I remember going in and taking over, and some of the people are like, "We don't know you, so we're gonna pull our kids out." And, I, and okay. in my mind, I'm thinking only if you knew what kind of quality care you were getting here. Like people are sleeping on the clock. I mean, people are changing your kids on the floor. Like all of these things are happening at this childcare center. So I remember thinking, why would they leave? I'm a good guy. I want to come and like, but they were still like, nah, we don't, we don't trust you. And I'm thinking, hmm, they don't trust me whenever, what I'm, what I'm seeing right now, what I'm trying to, you know, but I didn't tell them anything, but I learned there. I was like, yeah. okay, I wonder why they feel that way. And so that, not a change, you know, when you ask a better question, when you ask a good question, you get a better response. And a lot of people don't ask good questions. So they'll take offense to that. Like, oh man, they'll take a person. But me, it was like, I wonder why they would not feel comfortable with a guy like me. I'm well-dressed. I'm well-spoken. I'm coming here with all these great ideas. Why would they not trust me? Because of those questions, it, I was like, hmm, you know what? Maybe I need to communicate differently. There's, there's probably got to be a better process in how they feel comfortable in that transition of, yeah. of when you buy something, which is how we change and how we do things today. And so from learning from that instance, you see what I'm saying? So, But going in that business, you know, it was, it was all hands on deck. I mean, we, we didn't know anything about the daycare business. And Stephanie, my wife, at the time was in the business, was working the business, you know? So she didn't know anything about managing a business. It was kind of like, we just like, and I still had my full-time job. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know? so literally, uh, when the 2007, 2008 crash happened, I was the general manager at the RV lot and that business was tanking. So I, I saw the writing on the wall. They're closing the business down. They're offering me a sales job. And I'm like, I got this losing daycare over here. I can go turn it around. So go turn your other business around. And that's what I did. I literally jumped ship and I went to work in that business and it wasn't making any money. And so I put my mortgage on notice, company on notice. I'll put everybody on notice. I said, look, I'm going, I ain't going to be making the same money I was making before. Buckle up type of deal. So I, I literally, I went into business and I was the cook. That's where I started. I was a cook and I cleaned it and I mopped the floors and I wiped things down yeah. and sanitized things. That's what my first job was. And I got a promotion to the infant teacher. <laughs> so so in your in your experience coming into a daycare you've never worked a daycare in your life you've never owned one it's the first time what are some of the 
um, learning curves? What are some of the struggles that you had to overcome to be able to bring little blessings in the daycare just kind of up to what people today, uh, from what I gathered, trust? Because our kid was in your daycare Mm -hmm. and he was in there, uh, I want to say, just like a little bit before two years old and graduated out to go to kindergarten and he did great there. Mm-hmm. So like to get to that point from a struggling daycare with you have knowing, knowing no experience in daycare, how did you get it to where it is today? That's a good question. So uh, initially I went viewed, I mean, just about every daycare in town. Okay. I, I like, so you secret shop. Oh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I wanted to know what they look like. I wanted to know what it sounded like. I wanted to know what it smelled like. I wanted to know, like, what was the product, what was the presentation like. I wanted to know everything about the business because I didn't know. And so I didn't want to go in there assuming things like, oh, I know how to do this. Man, that's a, that would have been a catastrophe. Right. So I, the first thing I did was, like, I'm going to look at every other business that is reputable in town that calls themselves the best. <laughs> and I went there. And I and I took notes. Like, so, so that's what, why, we, you know. What were some of the notable things that you took notes of? The disorganization when you walk in. Okay. Okay. Like, it's not a calming sense of feeling. It's like busyness. The director's hair is not groomed. Yeah. You know, look like they just rolled out of bed. There's no uniform shirt. Not clearly identified. It smelled terrible. It wasn't clean. There was no music. The atmosphere was just chaos. And I'm thinking, if I wanted to enroll my kid here, I, I don't know. I, if I was a kid at two or three feet tall, looking up at this big world and coming into this chaos situation, and not even the classroom. How am I going to feel? So when you start putting yourself in the child's point of view and viewpoint, you're thinking, this is not good enough. It's not good enough because we're not doing this for the families. We're doing this for the kids. And, yeah. the, and the kids are the best report. They're going to be the best report card. And so I was going in there saying, okay, if I was a child, what would I want to see? You know, what, what kind of experience would I want? You know, and if I'm a parent... You know, and I'm nervous. This is not like I'm dropping my kids off at the dry cleaners. I'm dropping a pair of slacks at the dry cleaners. I'm dropping my child off, my prized possession. I'm walking in there saying, what do I want to see? What do I want to sense? What what kind of emotion do I want to feel whenever I walk into this facility that I'm ready to drop my prized possession off to? Right. And so that was one of those things that we learned really off way in the front was that, you know, you got to be presentable. The smell matters. What you hear matters. The cleanliness matters. Your demonstration and how you show your product matters. How you sell your teachers matter. All those things matter. You know, how you look like your uniform shirt. Can you, are you easily distinguished from everybody else that's in there? You know, that like, those are things that are super simple that are oftentimes missed in businesses. And when we take them over, oftentimes they don't have those things. Yeah. So we apply those little bitty things and it makes people feel good. Now it's more relational instead of transactional, you know. A lot of daycare owners look at it and say, well, they got to bring their kids somewhere. You know, oh, there's not, everybody else is full. They got to come here. I mean, just from the demand, they just got to come here anyway. Yeah. But that wasn't our take. It was like, we want to offer the best environment experience, but not only the adult, the parents, but also the student. Okay. So, it, I look, I, I, I love it. My, like I said, my kid went there. It was great. Um, so... During the the pandemic, or I, I think we're out of it. I don't know what's happening with it. I think there's another variant. It, it, either way, <laughs> we're always uh, in transition. I know it's like there's <laughs> there's different levels of the pandemic. Okay, the 2020 version of the pandemic. Uh, you guys ultimately went to a non 
non-open door because before that it was mm-hmm. open door like mm-hmm. at any point in time we were able to go through the daycare without we didn't even have to t- let you guys know that we were coming mm-hmm. we could just come in and say hey we're just coming mm-hmm. in but i obviously most parents don't have the time to do that like pop in and out randomly but um how did you guys adapt to pandemic life because that was a big deal for a lot of people especially with kids you know how kids touch everything that they're, they're not mm-hmm. sanitary by any means mm-hmm. like how did you guys operate or how did you how did you have to operate during that time i think the better question is how do we have to operate differently because department of health like we had to close the reason why they were behind the curve and not allowing parents to come in because that was later into the process like we were already into the pandemic two or three months before they said okay no more parents can come in okay then the, the response or the reasoning for that was is that the guidelines that were already in place that was in existence was already good sanitary guidelines and so and also the ratios that were in place were already good you know ratio guidelines and then they eventually changed it once they started getting a little bit more pressure there's some things that we really learned that we still do uh, that was great practices, you know, like, what? Uh, like temperatures, like okay, temperature yeah. gate. Like those are great practices. You know, we, we didn't like the fact that our parents had to stay outside. But what happened, what came from that challenge or that new thing was now we have to figure out a better way to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. You know, because another thing was teacher turnover, man, during the pandemic. And now right now, like the, the, the staffing force is just it's just been obliterated. I mean, like it's like there's really not a lot of staff out there. So that's another challenge that we had to deal with. However, during that process was we had to up our game of communication because we found that we be, we don't like to be transactional. And when the parents are not talking to the teachers, we become transactional immediately. So they're beginning to wonder like, what's going on in there? Who is their teacher? Do they have the same teacher? You know, and then the child is telling them different things. And then they start questioning. So it's like, you got all of this question. <laughs> Send it around just because you can no longer come into the center anymore. Yeah. That was a huge deal for us because we depend on it. <clears throat> you know, we coach our staff on being, you know, open and communicating to all families, not just their families that are in their classroom that they're that's in their care. Like every family should be greeted. And so <laughs> when they're not able to come in, we're like, oh my God, I mean, that's this is a big deal for us. Like, so we had to realize, we had to figure out, okay, how do we relate to these parents? How do we communicate with these parents, you know, in a way that we, the little blessings way, standard. And so we were able to create some different forms, different documents that explain to the parents behavior, explain to the parents mood, explain to the parents, you know, uh, learning and just different things that they had that they can read and say, okay, they are getting some stuff done. And so because of the pandemic, it's really like we've grown during the pandemic. Surprisingly, we've grown. I was going to ask you about that. Like, obviously, like we've grown, you... like we bought centers, like we have literally grown. And didn't you, uh, was it during the pandemic that you bought uh, the old butterflies or was that butterflies right and, before? And, yeah, and Mini Me. Mini Me? Yeah. Where's that located? That's or what was it located? It's off of Vera School Road. They were in business for, I don't know, 25 okay. years. Yeah. Wow. So we've grown during the pandemic and I'll tell you why. So there's some things, some key things that we did, you know, because our food is through distributing, a distribution, there's a lot of childcare centers that were getting the food from Walmart, Sam's, and when Walmart couldn't get food, consistent food, a lot of these centers couldn't provide, you know, while we didn't skip a beat because our distributors had stock. So we, we maintained, you know, and family saw that they, they saw that. And also during the, we, we, we also took uh, a different approach as well. Like when we had to shut centers down, what a lot of people don't know, we still paid our staff. We refunded our parents and we paid our staff. 
Yeah. And so I would tell my team, I said, you know, there's going to be a day that all this is going to pay off. All this is going to pay off. You know, we're not going to, we're going to shut down and, you know, too bad for the parents and too bad for the staff. No, man. No. When we shut down, we refund the parents. And not only did we do that, we paid our staff. And so it was a lot of those different things that we did as a company that allowed us to grow during that pandemic. And so, uh, so the pandemic wasn't, you know, like poor old us. Yeah, yeah. It was like, hey, man, we were refining our process. We're getting better. We're asking better questions. We're coming up with better ideas. We're evolving and we're growing. We're a stronger company because of it. Yeah, I think that's a, that's the a lot of people. They either have grown or doubled during the pandemic, or they close. Either mm-hmm. there's no like middle ground. Um, how many locations do you have of Little Blessings right now? Currently ten. Ten, and that's all in the Lafayette area. Nine is in Lafayette, and one's in Katy. Katy, Texas. Texas. Yeah. Okay, so great segue. Uh, <laughs> how has that come about? Was that a pandemic bonus, or did were you looking to expand to another state? Like, were you actively looking? Yeah, as we start looking and start really evaluating our numbers and the culture and our economy, you know, we're three hours away from the third, fourth biggest economy in America. Like, we're like three <laughs> hours away. Yeah. And I'm looking at my team and I'm saying, it is a disjustice and we wouldn't be stewarding ourselves properly if we didn't go see what's up in Houston. You know, like, you, you talk about a huge market, a lot of opportunity, and we find ourselves to be a pretty good company. We're like, man, we can offer some of our techniques and some of our strategies into a new market. And that's how that started. It was like, you know, let's go check it out. Let's go see what's up. You know, <laughs> so, you know, we drive around there for a few days. And we're like, hey, man. Like, think- okay. So explain <laughs> to me. Okay. All right. So when Little Blessings got started, you, um, you, you found a struggling daycare, bought it for really dirt cheap, and brought it up to where it is now. How did you, how did you approach going to a city with the, the mindset and the business that you have now? And was it very similar? Like, did you look for, how did you look for a struggling daycare? Like, Oh, this daycare looks like it's pretty shoddy. Let's, let's go for that one. Like, uh, so the, learning what I know now, a lot of that stuff is in the broker description. Okay. So I still have brokers that I work with. Okay. Got but it. Within the broker description, there's certain words, there's certain key terms that they use that lets me know that there's a situation happening. You know? So so do you have what's a good example of a keyword that you know or that you've you've seen or that's triggered like a this is the, the right time or the right space? So when they have a very limited description, so they'll say uh, owner has other interest. Ah, okay, got it, got it. That's because you you know Things are tough over there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, so they'll say, you know, uh, they'll try to compare revenue from prior years or whatever, and they'll try to sell prior years as opposed to current. I'm like, okay, well, why aren't we selling current? You know, what's up with the current, you know? <laughs> what's happening, you know? Or, you know, once we start looking into the business and we start checking out websites and Facebook, social media pages and some marketing and reviews, those are other telltale signs to tell us what's happening, you know, how they're communicating. Because look, we don't. We're not trying to go buy a business that everything looks perfect. Right, right. We're. we're I mean, that'd be a harder sell too. Yeah, I mean, we're not looking for that. When they see me, it's like everybody's offered their money and they couldn't perform, and we're gonna make it happen. Okay. But we're not gonna pay the price that you think you're gonna get paid. You know. 
we just go we're gonna pay you less money than that you know because of what the business is so so katie texas um from what i've gathered katie texas is is a nice little town a town is it a city i think it's a city i don't know Um, it's a great it's a great spot um you have a bunch of nice businesses there in that area there's top golf not too far away so where at in katie texas is it is it uh, is it in a pretty populated area? Kind of no, like... it's borderline. It's borderline Katy and Cyprus. Okay, and so it's it's really borderline in that area. And so we what we what we're really focused on is the northwest quadrant of Houston mm-hmm. and also the southwest quadrant of Houston. And Why so those areas? Just the demand. Okay, the growth. Like Southwest, we learned within the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's it's got a really good feel to it. Like it's got a really good identity to it. Like. You don't feel like people are trying to show off there. It's like, hey, I got money, but I don't have to drive these Lamborghinis and all these nice cars. We just, we got money, but we have, you know, good houses and we have good neighborhoods and we have really good schools and we have good roads and everything's manicured and everything looks good. And you kind of like, this has got a really good sense of identity here. And so we love that area. Katy, it's new, it's bright, it's vibrant. A lot of people going in. There's a new side of Katy, no side of Katy, and it's just expanding like crazy. So really not a big identity thing going on over there. It's just like everybody knows it's growing. I went in. Right. You know, so it's two different <clears throat> philosophies there. However, there's not enough child care centers there and there's okay. demand there. So with the growth, you need more child care, especially right. when people relocate and there's no t- child. Yeah, so we don't want new. Care. We yeah. want old. So, you know, there's some old players that have been in the game over there that okay. are stuck with old Katie or stuck with old Sugarland. And then the new guys come in town has opened up these big facilities. The old guys are saying, I don't know how to adapt. I don't know how to relate. I don't know how to. And we're like. Hey, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we can talk to you, you know, and so that's that's our philosophy, you know. Okay, okay. So, so you got you got Texas, and you and I spoke uh, many months ago. Um, you were looking at uh, potentially Arizona too. Mm-hmm. Um, has that have you kind of put pause on Arizona and focus on Texas more? Or what is your thought process on that? Like That's another good question. And I think that's a good segue. For the future of our company, it's, it's going to be more Arizona-type deals. So like Arizona was a, a package of nine centers and um, and it very established. It looked just like us. You know, they operate with an executive team, oversight, uh, executive directors and directors. So they, they operated and they were structured just like us. And so we're realizing as a company, we want to focus on uh, buying companies that have that management structure that we can manage those managers to help drive you know new ideas or new marketing strategies or new processes and procedures little incremental changes that can really change the way that company is operated and so that's where we're, that's where we're going as a company versus opening up what's our current philosophy which you know we'll go buy one here buy two here but now we want to look at buying maybe a package of six you know a package of ten and buying those that already have management structures there. Uh, that we can go in and just kind of offer some new things and do play more of a consultant role because the structure is already there and allow that business to, to grow from there. So that would that would not be a rebranding situation at that point. So you're selling yeah. consulting. Correct. Daycare consulting. We'll just buy it. Yeah, we'll buy the whole deal and then we'll go in and just kind of offer some consulting and some support. That they Got never it. Had. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good little strategy there. It is. So yeah. that brings us outside of Louisiana, outside of the South, because there's not a lot of players in the Gulf South that are doing what we're doing. You know, it's just not. And there's there's some reasons for that. However, but in the North, you know, East Coast, West Coast, the North, Midwest, I mean, it's not uncommon for you to go out and want to have 10 daycare centers, you know, 
up and down the interstate. That's not uncommon. But here, because of tuition prices, because of you know public knowledge or public respect for education in Louisiana, it's only so. It's it's I, I say it's hard money. It's it's really hard to make money in Louisiana. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard money. Yes, it it's, is. It is hard money to make it here. You know, like I don't care how fancy your outfit is. You know, they're gonna say, "Hey, I just went down the street, and that was the price that it was over there." <laughs> and 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 little Johnny over there is not running a really good operation, but that's the price. Yeah. But you got all this nice stuff and all the stuff that you're telling me, but I want to pay the same price. So the respect for education here is just not there compared yeah. to some of these other areas. And so we're getting there. Does our 13 years in business, we've seen massive improvements there. Even our state has now increased tuition price. So it's getting there. However, places like Houston, these bigger markets, they've been there. You know, like Arizona, they've been there. You know, they're building 10, 15,000 square foot buildings where we're over here at 5,000 square foot building, 10,000 square foot building. Like, they've been there. Like, it's it's all, they, they, they've invested so much time, energy, uh, initiatives. I mean, it's just, it's just so much, it's, it's, it's already going. Like, they're 50 years ahead of us. So we want to tap into that. That's crazy. You know, I feel like since I was little, I've always heard that Louisiana is behind the curve all the time. And I thought, oh, yeah, it's going to get better with the internet, though. No, even with the internet, we're mm-hmm. still behind the curve, apparently. We are. We are. We are. And it's just, that's just how it is. But it doesn't, you know, for us, we don't want to think that way. Yeah, we don't want to think that yeah, way. We don't want to think that way. It's like, we still want to be progressive. And so we are blowing and going. It's crazy. So, okay. So you don't, you are, we, we mentioned uh, before, kind of right when we started, that you were involved in other things. So you have the daycare business. What other uh, business do you have as well that kind of you're involved in? Yeah, it's a whole nother wing. So we have we're in the healthcare space as well, which basically we take care of the disabled uh, and the elderly inside of their homes. And so we provide center service to them, uh, Central Louisiana, and also uh, some of the South Louisiana, so Region Four, Region Six. So we just recently acquired a company in New Iberia, fifteen year old company, it's a pretty big size company. We just acquired them uh, a couple months ago. And so uh, doing similar things with them, you know, uh, growing the business, uh, investing, just becoming more knowledgeable of it. Because we didn't like I got into that business maybe six years ago. And so we've made several acquisitions there. And uh, but it doesn't require a whole lot of our attention because but what it does is that we get to learn, you know, their business strategy, uh, how they manage, how they treat people, because all very similar. Again, it's the service industry. And so we get to learn from each side of the business of how we can better manage each side. Yeah. But it's completely different. Uh, this is just me uh, thinking about what you're talking about and comparing the business models. I feel like early child care development and elderly care almost have a very similar kind of practice because, mm-hmm. you know, Young ch- young children are usually sometimes nonverbal. Uh, you know they need a little bit more care, and then elderly sometimes can be nonverbal, or they can they don't. You know, just depending on the case, I feel like it's a very similar type of business. But mm-hmm. obviously, you, you have different medical situations on mm-hmm. the other side. So, uh, how do you approach like that? Like, how do you approach medical stuff? Do you have like doctors? You have nurses? How does that work? So we have we have a nurse on call provides some of our training and some oversight. Uh, but we have people that have been in the industry that's degreed in the industry. Uh, it's always been in the industry that's focused on the industry. So we don't pull people out of a different industry to come in and come in and operate that because we don't know, you know, yeah. it's a couple we don't know. And so we <clears> depend <throat> on the leaders 
and that's 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 what's allowed us to grow, right? Is that we invest in our leaders and we respect our leaders and we give them autonomy. And so because we do that, we can now say, hey, look, we're not the guys that know it all. These are the people that do. And so we learn from them just as much as they learn from us. And so it's a, it's a relationship. And so that allows us to expand as a company. And again, it goes back to us as a core is offering these opportunities to people that would otherwise been either overlooked or don't qualify in somebody else's standard or terms. And so we offer these people like our management team <clears throat> average is probably, I don't know, upper 20s and low 30s. Yeah. Like that's kind of unheard of, you know, as growing as fast as we are. You know, multi-million dollar business. We're no longer a small organization. We're a large organization. We probably have 500 plus employees now. And to think that our management team is upper 20s and lower 30s, you know, like, it just speaks about who we are, you know, as a company. It just speaks about what we believe in as people and how we believe in people, how we want to invest in people, how we want to see them grow, not only the people there, but also the families, you know. So for us, that's really the core of who we are. You know, is investing in those people and because we invest in those people, because we believe in those people, because we inspire those people, because we want them to be, become better leaders, our businesses continue to grow. And it's like it holds me accountable. It's like I got to keep growing because I got all these leaders looking at me saying, when's my shot? <laughs> and so, so we're like, I got to keep growing. I got to keep creating opportunities. And so interesting enough, we got a girl that we're training right now for our Texas market. We've, we've hired her like three months ago. You know, she's been training before we, you know, we just bought a business out there. You know, we only got one business and we're already training her to create an out because I mean, she, she's talented, you know, we believe in her. So it's extra payroll for us to invest in her, time to invest in her, but we believe in her. And it's an opportunity that's created for her that she cannot go oversee our Houston market. That's awesome, man. So like how, how, how big do you think that the Houston market, the Texas market, where, where would you like to see it? Because you have nine here. Um... I mean, Houston's a lot bigger. The area is a lot bigger because we can double there. Okay. Very quickly. Okay. So, what does that look like for you? What's the manpower for Nate look like in that situation? Because, like, how, when do you become taxed with all the duties that you have? Manage trying to manage all that. I think that's a great question. So, if we really think about what I get paid to do right now, so think. Okay. I don't get paid to, you know, I'm not in the day to day grind. I'm not like. I've hired people specifically in certain points of the business that focus on certain things. Like this last year, we, we've taken an opportunity going, I mean, flying under the radar. We, I mean, we, we hired a CFO, we hired an operations person, we hired an HR, a full HR department. You know, we, we hired a marketing director. So we, when I used to do a lot of that stuff. And so right. for me thinking where that, where our company is going and how we want to multiply and, the locations that we want to have and out-of-state management, I had to say, okay, it's bigger than me. I, I can no longer be so involved in the business. <laughs> if I was so involved in the business, the business would have a limitation. And so I had to hire specific key people, personalities, in order to, to help me grow the business and oversee the business and manage the businesses. And so for me, my job is to think and to make sure that the culture's right, the vision remains, and our people are staying focused. Man, that's awesome. So with all that going on and we're, we're getting close to our time here, um, do you, as far as you personally, mm -hmm. um, do you envision yourself staying in Louisiana long term? Is this, is this where you're going to retire? That's a good question. I, I'm, Even I'm though getting, you just came out of retirement. <laughs> yeah. So like, because I've been posting and I'm all over, mm -hmm. you know, people are like, I had a question out of this. She's like, did you leave us? 
<laughs> where'd you go? Did you leave us? Did you leave us? We don't want you to leave us. Right, right. You know, type yeah. of because I'm always in Houston or I'm in Atlanta. I'm in just different places. And and I would say I always will have a home here. I always have a home here. Like, I will. Now, what will happen is I will have multiple locations. And so I will spend seasons, different seasons in different places. But I will always call Lafayette my home. I mean, I just, I love this place. I'm born and raised. You know, this place has given, invested a lot in me, created a lot of opportunity for me. And this is where I started. You know, so majority of my businesses are here. The people, my relationships are here. My girls are here. My family is here. You know, so it's like, no, man, I, that, that matters <laughs> more to me than going to live in a high rise in Atlanta or Houston or Miami or whatever, you know. Uh, but yeah, no, it's always going to be home for me. Uh, however, I will have multiple locations. All right. All right. So I got to know if if the multiple locations does happen, which it sounds like it will. Um, look, look, I'm look, I'm living vicariously at the moment. So where would you like to have another place like to call home away from home? Man, that's because I, ha- I have I have my own like places that I would like, but I want to know what Nathaniel Moore, what his place would be. Where does your where's your escape from? So I would say like Utah, Colorado, Montana area. Really? Yeah. So I'll tell you like why. John Denver land. Yeah, like, so the stage that I'm in my life, like, because I get paid to think, like, I try to limit distractions. I'm really big on environment. And so I don't sit in my office all day. I like to move around. And people that, like, are in my circle, they know that I'm super big on environment and how I and help me thinking and help with uh, my ideas. And so I'm always kind of moving around. And so I'm taking that same philosophy and how I live and where I live. And so, like, the Montana area are you know, the Utah area or Colorado area. I just love the scenery, you know, I love it. And it just, it brings the best out of me. It just puts a smile on my face, you know? Yeah. But there's a second place that I just absolutely love is the beach. You know, I love the beach. I can sit at the beach all day. Like, I don't need nothing. You know, like, I can sit there with a journal or a book and and I would have some of the best ideas and I literally just stare at the water all day. Mm-hmm. You know, people say that's weird, but that's what I get paid to do. You know, like... <laughs> I'm going to sit by myself and I'll be okay with that. And I'm going to come up with some of the best ideas. And that's what people expect of me. That's what they demand of me. And so it's just, I ha- for me now, it's like I'm in this transition of as this company continues to grow, multiply, and expand, like, I-, I have to become a better thinker. And so I have to have better situations and ber- better environments. And, uh, and so that's one of those things that I'm really focused on right now. Okay. Yeah. Look, dude, the beach is my spot. We uh, just took a vacation to Tennessee, the Smoky Mountains. Man, I've been there earlier this year. Phenomenal. Let me tell you, I didn't realize just how flat Lafayette is Mm -hmm. until I Mm -hmm. go up throughout the northern part of Alabama into Tennessee. I'm like, why does it look so different? Like, it's just bizarre that I'm driving on a road looking down at a city versus just this like flat plain. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. And the elevations is so much different. Your ears start to pop in certain areas. And Tennessee, while it's high, it's not as high as like Breckenridge, Colorado, where it's like 10,000, 11,000 foot. Um, so much different. And so like on our vacation, I, we had very little internet access. Mm-hmm. So like I couldn't do a lot of the stuff that I wanted to do. Like I couldn't write articles. I couldn't uh, do a lot. So I was like, you know what? I'm here for a week. I'm sitting there like, maybe this would be my chance to kind of uh, recharge, I guess, mm-hmm. for lack of better mm-hmm. words, because I was getting to a point where I was, I I was not motivated. Mm-hmm. I'll, that's the best way I could put it. Mm-hmm. And 
I can look back at like some of the posts that I've made or lack thereof and realize that there was this slump. And so uh, went there, came back, and I'm like, okay, I'm good now. Like I feel like I can like I don't know hit the ground running after spending a week out there just kind of absorbing the scenery like you mentioned mm-hmm. uh it's just so much different and to realize that uh there's more there's a lot more out there than just your little bitty self mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so it, it changes it changes perspective a little bit but i see why you would want to maybe absorb different scenery yeah i mean i suffer wins and losses every day yeah you know like when it gets to my desk it's Nobody else could solve it, you know? <laughs> so the pressure is immense. And then you have all of these people that I'm responsible for, these families I'm responsible for. I mean, it's just immense pressure. And so it's like, I don't have to do what everybody else is doing. I can go do something different that's going to work for me. That's going to create the best idea. And so I feel like that's what's going to create the best idea. Awesome. Well, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to mention? Hmm. Just giving you the, the open floor for a second. I would say if people look at this and they say, how did they get here? Like, how did, like, how does he, how, how, what's the deal? You know, I, I would say, you know, all of this was created from just, I, I literally spent, what, $10 for a book that initiated this whole process, this whole change of, of mindset, and this whole thinking. Not only that, then you start reading personal development books that you start believing in yourself. You start inspiring your own self. You start, you know, you become the loudest voice in your head, you know, like, and you become more intentional, aware of the things, and you start becoming a lifelong learner. And those are some of the positions that I've taken. You know, I, I'm no different than anybody else, but I'm doing things that everybody can do. You know, and and I think if you can really <clears throat> just develop yourself and person, whether you want to own a business or you want to uh, you want to continue working for somebody else, I mean, you can always build more value in yourself. You can always build more value in yourself. It doesn't matter. You know, you can always attract a new opportunity. And that's all I'm doing. I'm just attracting opportunity. But I'm investing in myself for where I want to go. I'm investing in myself. I'm holding myself to a standard. And I'm, I'm holding myself accountable for the things that I want, for not only for myself, but for my people that and my team members that work alongside with me. And so it's very important to me that, and very important to other people that I would say, like, invest in yourself. Man. Really spend some time with yourself. Really invest in yourself. Really get the books and get the podcast and listen to the things. And just spend a little bit of time with yourself. And I can, I can guarantee you, you know, the value that comes from that is just exponentially. And the opportunity that you want to attract will be exponential. Great, great uh, way to end this. So um, mentioning books and podcasts, if you could tell somebody one or two books and podcasts to listen to to kind of help, I guess, get started in that focus of mindset, what would those things be? You mentioned one, the, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm guessing that would be a book that you would suggest. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> the next one on that list would be, uh, it's a great book by John Maxwell, but it's uh, many people communicate, but very few connect. And I think it's like, it's so often that we overlook like communication, but we have to do it like every day. whether, yeah, every day, whether we're doing it vocally or audio, we're doing it in our body language. And so I would encourage people to read books that, can strengthen their communication, uh, which gives them opportunity in better circles and how they communicate with different people, uh, and also body language, reading body language stuff. Like I'm reading a book called, you know, learning the laws of behavior right now. Like I want to know, this is probably like my 20th book on behavior and psychology. It's like, I want to know those different things and how to read people when I get in a room to negotiate. Like I want to know, I'm reading body language before they, I'm reading signs before they even know. 
I know a fake smile from a real smile. Like I, I know those things now because I've read and <laughs> studied, you know, but that's, that's where I wow. am. Now. So if you're in business or you're not in business or you're working for somebody else or you're working with somebody else alongside, like communication is key. Communication is the key. If you're not a leader, still read leadership books because you are, you lead yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you're your best leader. And so if you can lead yourself and you can learn how to communicate, I mean, sky's the limit. Crazy body language, huh? Mm-hmm. God, the way people smile, like I, like I'll admit, I've I know when I fake smile, but unless it's like pointed out, then I'm like crap. Mm-hmm. But like, I know I know a fake situation. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, podcast. What is the podcast you you would suggest? I would say Dean Graziosi. The who? Dean Graziosi. Okay. So yeah, just Google his name. He's very popular, but he dives deep into mindset. He and he's very authentic. He's real. He's and he's really good on offering practical things in his podcast. And they're not long, so they're like ten to fifteen minutes long. Oh, but yeah. it's like very good knowledge. If you want to get like, if you want to put on a helmet and run through a wall, go listen to Ed <laughs> Milet's podcast. <laughs> it's like go run through a wall, you know. Or I really love Tony Robbins' okay. podcast. It's more psychological, practical things, personal development type stuff. So. I'm really big on that. Uh, Jim Rohn's another one. Uh, being in the sales industry, I would say Zig Ziglar. I mean, he's still killing it, although he's dead. You know, so it's like those th- like those things I'm listening to all the time. Okay. <laughs> Look, that was just the wildest thing. He's still killing it. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Oh, God, the pun. <laughs> I, sorry, I, I'm, pr- I'm pretty punny, and that one got me. That was a good one, though. Yes. You called it out. All right, man. Look, Nathaniel, it was great having you on. I hope that uh, this was good for you. It was good for me. It was good to kind of sit back with you. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Well, God, last, what, over, well over a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was a good one. Yeah. All right, man. Look, uh, I look forward to seeing you again, I'm sure, in a, a few months or running into you here and there. But uh, I, I watch your I watch your posts. I watch your journey. I, I love watching you being in Houston because I know you're, you're you're moving and shaking. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what you're shaking, but you're shaking something. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm shaking some stuff <laughs> under the radar. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool, man. Nathaniel, it's good to have you, and I hope you have a great weekend. All right. All right. Have a good one, guys. information on sponsoring the tea podcast by developing lafayette go to our website at developinglafayette.com and click advertise Support for the podcast is brought to you by the Music Academy of Acadiana, Acadiana's top choice for music lessons in piano, guitar, voice, drums, violin, saxophone, flute, audio production, and more. They teach students of all ages and styles, 
They have sent students to college to compete in major music competitions and have also premiered on major TV music contests like American Idol and The Voice. They are founded by Tim Benson, who is a University of Louisiana at Lafayette Music School graduate. The Academy has been voted as a top finalist in the best music school by readers of the Times of Acadiana since 2016, and they have won the National Music School of the Year Award in 2014. Their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers. You can find out more at their website at www.musicacademyacadiana.com. You can also check out their Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more information. Our tech sponsor, The Orchard, is Acadiana's only Apple-authorized service provider. They provide services for Apple products, whether it be a broken screen or if you need help trying to figure out an app. The Orchard has your back. They helped us by giving us an iPad to continue running our show since our show is dependent on Apple products. So with that, check out their stores. They got two locations in Acadiana, one next to Buffalo Wild Wings off of Ambassador in Lafayette, and at their new location in Karen Crow next to Super One Foods. You can check them out at theorchardstores.com or in person to make sure that all of your Apple products are taken care of and up and running and working as they should.